Welcome to WebRush, the weekly talk show that brings you stories of real-world development from industry experts and developers like you and me. Each week, Ward Bell, Dan Walleen, Craig Shoemaker, and John Papa find out what it takes to write, deploy, and maintain apps that stand up to the demands of the real world. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to WebRush. This is episode 184. And the title and the topic today is, Why So Hard? Upgrading Your Dependencies on the Web. It really shouldn't be. And sometimes it really is quite the complicated mess. If you're only building new applications, maybe this is not a topic for you. But if you've ever had an application for more than, let's say, five minutes, I think this is a problem that you might have. And today, my name is John Papa, along with my co-host, Ward Bell. How you doing, Ward? I am, well... You don't want to hear it. I mean, nobody cares. Nobody really cares how I'm doing. So I might as well just tell you I'm doing great. No, Ward. Everybody cares about you. Oh, you well, weren't on well, the last show and everybody was asking about you. They wanted to know, what's wrong with Ward? Ward has been upgrading his software. <laughs> so you show. have... <laughs> this is where the topic came up, which is funny because I was just at a college yesterday talking with a bunch of students at a Google Google Developer Student Club, and one of the topics came up was upgrading your dependencies with them. They're like, okay, so you've got an Angular, React, Svelte, Vue, whatever app, and how come they were asking, you know, I've got Dependabot, I've got NPM Audit, I've got all these things telling me how to upgrade my software. Why why so hard? And this actually came up yesterday at a university that I went to in uh, Florida um, with a bunch of students. So I don't think you're the only one facing this, Ward. No, I, I wish I were. But, uh, you know, just one look at your NPM folder and uh, holy smokes, there's a lot of stuff in there. And uh, all of it is potentially on the move when you decide that your uh, the foundation of your application needs to be brought up to speed, whatever that means. And we should probably talk about what that means. Yeah, I think strategies and how to do that are, would be a good topic for today too. Like, do you do this once a week? Do you do you wait till like major announcements? Uh, do you skip five versions of Angular to do it? <laughs> what are what is your time frame for doing it? And also maybe less time frame and more motivation. Like when should you be motivated to think about upgrading? Uh, because it is, there is a burden. Every time you want to do this, there's a bit of a burden on you to figure out what do you upgrade. And then once you upgrade, it, let's say you've got 50 dependencies in your project. How do you know which ones to upgrade? Are you saying you upgrade them all? Or do you just do some of them? I think there's a lot of topics here. And maybe we could start off board with you, you explaining a little bit more about what does it mean to upgrade your dependencies? I mean, what does that even mean? Well, you know, let's, why don't I keep it? You know, make it really concrete. Um, uh, I've been working on from for a client an application that has been there for years and over, and it has lots of libraries, and it's their major. So, so here's a key point: it's been around for a long time. It's a major. It's central to their business. If it dies, bad things happen to their business. All right. So number one, we're not talking about a demo here. We're talking about serious stuff uh, and uh, uh, that affects their bottom line. And so uh, they haven't upgraded in years uh, and probably shouldn't. 
because there are risks, some of which we're going to talk about. But they wanted to use, uh, make, make a major change to uh, a different library. And that library required a more recent, it happens to be Angular, this could be anything, uh, required a more recent version of Angular than we were running. Um, and then, the, you know, I've been wanting them to upgrade, but, you know, because we're tech people, right? we want to always stay on the latest and greatest, but it's really hard to, to uh, when you put your business cap on, to justify that. Uh, so here we are at version eight, current versions 13. You know, here's the thing. So one of your questions was like, when do you, when do you feel like you have to do it? Well, if it's getting, if, if it's looking like it's going to be sunsetted, that's a reason. Uh, uh, you really got to start to worry if you think the support's going to disappear. Uh, and another good reason was the one I had, which is um, uh, combined with that, which is that um, a library they wanted to use wouldn't work with version eight of Angular. So you're kind of in the pickle. You got to do it. I, I guess my my takeaway is I certainly wouldn't do this. I wouldn't upgrade just for no, you know, just because I was wanted to be with the latest and greatest. Uh, I just wouldn't do that. It's too costly. It's too risky. Um, but when you have to do it, here we are. So if I, if I could summarize kind of in this case, the motivation for upgrading for you and your client was that it wasn't security or anything else like that, or even just the desire to be up to date. It was more, or even maintenance. It was more, there was a new feature they wanted to add. And to add that feature, the package that they had to install was not compatible with the software that was currently the versions yep. that were in there. Yep. So it's more about moving forward and adding new features to the application. Yep. Yep. The push had come to shove. Um, now I think the other reasons are all there too. I mean, as long as you're in for it, like it was going, you know, that version of the base software is going to lose support. And uh, mm-hmm. that's a, that's hard to tell the business that that matters. Uh, we know it matters, right? As tech people, we know that support matters. Security, if there had been a security issue, business understands that. That didn't, that wasn't yeah. the issue. Uh, and security secure, issues can pop up anywhere, right? Oh, like yeah. Your oh, app yeah. could be completely secure today, and then suddenly, you know, a month from now, somebody discovers a vulnerability in something that you thought was secure, and yep. you pass the flying colors. Now there's a security violation, and things like Dependabot from GitHub, which I'm dropping links in the show notes for this, or NPM Audit, another tool we'll talk about, they're telling you now, wait a minute, you've got a problem. Well, let's say you've got a security issue. Do you, do you attack it right away? Do you, what do you do? I'm I'm asking you because you have a live app right now. Yeah. I think you have to do a risk assessment. Uh, and you really want a security expert to help you do that risk assessment assessment. If it's a hole, how vulnerable are you and what would be the consequences of somebody exploiting that hole? Uh, not every security, all, not all security risks are the same. And Great point. Uh, we got to watch. There's always somebody screaming in your ear, security. But, you know, if, if, if it's just really wacky uh, and uh, what somebody would do and the risk of that, you know, what, what are the consequences of somebody trying to exploit that are low? Uh, that's not a good enough reason. Yeah, let me give a tangible example here. Let's say you've, you're talking Angular. So let's say you have an Angular application and there's a security risk in something that's going to get delivered to the browser, part of the Angular code. Uh, and that's what you're being told. That's the case. That's something I think I would take the next step and figure out what exactly is the level of risk in that. Uh, but let's say that the the security issue that comes up is more with um, 
maybe you're using Jasmine or Jest or something with a testing framework that's going to live on a CI server. Um, that might be a lower level risk. Is that kind of what I'm hearing from you? Is that you know it's not going to production, so right? Yeah, I mean, not if, as concerned. If, if, exactly. If Jasmine Jasmine is compromised, you know, <laughs> you know, oh well. Hey, maybe, maybe the security it. risk is it'll automatically pass all your tests. <laughs> yes, so. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so that's. But if it's you know you got to worry if like, uh, it's and we'll talk about this if it's a. If somebody somehow has compromised some library that you depend on, and uh, such that there could be a cross-site scripting attack, those are no joke. Uh, it really is, and that does happen quite a bit. So you you have to be careful. You meaning everybody, all of us. We have to be careful about these things. I'd like to step back. It's your your famous expression word. Sorry, I'm borrowing it. Let's step back for a minute because how do you even know there's an error? And I'll tell you how I find out quite often is through tools like Dependabot on GitHub, where I've got a repo and I'm getting emails or issues or pull requests automatically opened up because this automated tool finds there's a security risk in some database it's tracking that then reports it's my repo. But more, even that one, like I'm not always looking at my repo. Sometimes I, my, I put my thing to production and maybe I switch to another project. So now, you know, I'm not looking at that live. But the thing that gets me a lot is when I'm coding locally, and I run npm install, and suddenly an npm install isn't just saying, "Hey, you know, 110 packages installed, everything's good." It's like 110 packages installed, 54 secure possible security vulnerabilities. Three of them are high risk, and I see that occasionally on projects. Um, specifically, I had one a couple of days ago on this shop at home project that I use, and I was preparing it to go talk to the students at the school yesterday I went to, and every app I had was. I had four demos. Every one of those was giving me NPM install errors based upon security vulnerabilities. And I'm like, I can ignore these. And this was where, for me, it wasn't the security resource problem because these were demos. Uh, it was, or I could, I could ignore them and go to the school and then run past these. And then are these error messages distracting, and distracting enough where the students are going to go, hey, what's going on? They're going to stop listening. Or should I just fix these things to show good behavior as well. Right. Uh, the NPM install thing is a good example. Um, you know, you can go a long time with a real app and not run that. <laughs> you only you do can. it when you actually, yeah. Uh, but meanwhile, um, the risk factors are, are there or whether you run it or not. And so in your uh, CI system, it should probably uh, do that kind of evaluation with, you know, SNCC or whatever the heck you're using that that's uh, supposed to be guarding that. And your build should probably fail if there are errors, not warnings or something like that. Uh, but, uh, and that could force you to upgrade too. Uh, so uh, you're talking about SNCC, S-N-Y-K, the tool. Yes. It's another, yet another tool that you can use to, and you're right. CI/CD is the way to go. It really is because both scenarios I told you, the dependent bot means I have to be looking at the repo or my email if it's being hooked there. NPM install means I actually have to run NPM install to see it. And maybe I haven't run it in a while because everything I have is already installed on the machine I'm on. Uh, or even NPM audit, which is a command at NPM, you have to run it to make it happen. But what I like is like using NPM audit or SNCC to in a CI program, like you're saying, and have it actually look at the output and figure out, okay, to my best of my ability, how serious is this? 
which we haven't even gotten to the next discussion, Ward, is you get notified of these errors and you just had some yesterday. You, you were telling me that you were working on upgrading that from Angular 8 to 13? Yeah. Um, that's five versions and you're doing it all in one leap. And it doesn't shock me that something went wrong. Uh, and I'm sure you use the right tools and NG update and you're an Angular expert and all this, but how, what do you do? Like you got a bunch of error messages. What do you do? Well, and I also, you know, um, the first thing you do is you get somebody else to do it, <laughs> which I did. I got my buddy, my colleague to, to um, carry that load, you know, and we were trying to estimate what it would take. And uh, I, it's, I said, oh, it can't, pop. you know, I have my initial, I have four days. Well, you know, I mean, let's be generous. And he came back and said, 16. I said, we can't do it. We can't spend 16. How about eight? <laughs> but eight is a lot. That's a, and you know, and you know what? We've spent it all. We've, I, I was shocked, which is why we're having, one reason we're having this conversation. Now it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't security things. And partly it was, all right, once you start doing this sort of, uh, you know, how, how far, how deep, do you go? How many shells of the onion do you unpeel? Because we probably did things we didn't have to do. For, for example, um, uh, uh, but but you know, once you start doing this, you really want to do it because you know it's going to be years before you get back to it again. In this case, yeah. it's been years since we did it. So you say, all right, if we're going to do it, let's do it, and that's how it goes from a couple of hours to days. So because we had all, all these dependent libraries that we needed to push forward. Some of the them didn't work with version 13. So, you know, in one case we had to fork it and say, well, I guess we're going to maintain that ourselves because we're not going to rip it out, but nobody else is maintaining it. Uh, good God. Um, uh, but in some cases it seems sort of optional, like uh, version 13 will run with an older version of RxJS, the library for observability, but why don't, you know, we want to bring that up to speed, don't we? Well, <laughs> right. You start going down the rabbit yeah. hole. Of, I don't need to upgrade yeah. this library, this but book, now but should I here. upgrade all of them? Yes, exactly. Well, let me I'm tell you that. something, I, a strategy I use a lot. So when I was upgrading this thing just um, less than 48 hours ago, I was, uh, it was a React, View, Angular, and Svelte projects. So there's stuff I used in each one of them. And as I went through them, I started realizing, okay, the upgrade process isn't going so smoothly. One of my strategies is this. Go generate a clean, brand new Angular project. Brand new Angular project and look at the package JSON. And I'm not saying copy and paste it over because that has its own issues. Yeah. But I do look at that to see sometimes when you start upgrading, you realize that with React and Angular especially, I've noticed this, some of the packages change. Like the ones that the core tool and their CLIs install and I noticed there were a couple that I had in my project from, you know, I, I think I installed it with Angular 10 or something at the beginning. I noticed there were a couple of libraries that I was keeping around were still valid libraries, but weren't actually needed in the project. So yeah. one of the strategies I did was I started removing dependencies that weren't in the new project I created. Ones I knew, not ones like a, there's a graph library for like AG Grid that I'm using. You know, I know I'm using it, but other ones out of there. And I ended up removing four libraries from the Angular one, and I think it was two from the React one, and then recompiled, and everything still worked. All my tests passed and everything else. But as a strategy, I've learned is like, you know, sometimes it's good to look at just a brand new clean project and go, 
you know what? I know I used to need this. Like T.S. Lint was in there. Like, I don't need that in there anymore. Yes, Lint's doing the job. Another one was Code Lizer, which was a dev dependency. Yeah, it was getting yeah. the errors. It's not well, even in there yeah, anymore. We, we had to yank all those out and move to ES Lint, but that came with its own things because now yes, it, does. it linted something completely different. And so we spent another two days going through and and the whole code base trying to deal with all that. And you end up, as you know, saying, I don't have time for this. I'm just going to disable all those lint rules that I didn't used to have to worry about. And now uh, you're getting that slippery slope of it's not the dependencies that are just the problem. Now you're into step two, which is some of my code or configuration has to change to make my app work. Yeah. Like TSLint and ESLint. Yep. Yeah. It can happen uh, with CSS too. I was using Bulma in a project. Yeah. And it's saying always compiled great before. I had no errors in anything except now I was getting about 50 SAS and CSS errors. There were, there were warnings to be fair in my output of NPM install. And I'm like, what is going on? Turns out that there's been a bunch of changes to some of the features of CSS and SAS. And Bulma, the version I had installed, which has been working fine, so I never bothered upgrading it. It's just a, you know, a CSS That's, framework. Yep. And then I had to go figure out, okay, now I've got 50 files I got to go change based it's, upon it's this. It's true. You're, you're, and that's what happens when you upgrade. This is why it's going to take longer yeah. than you think, because you pull one thread on the sweater and the sweater just starts to unravel. Hey, <laughs> That's a great visual. <laughs> of, speaking of SAS, that was another one, okay? Because there's a library that won't run in the latest version of Node. And yep. Angular used to depend on it, but Angular no longer depends on it. So you could go to the latest node, uh, which doesn't work with that SAS library. But the problem with that is you still got, you're building the new one, but your old app still has to run. And that's still on version eight and the Jenkins and you know, all that has to still run it. So you can't, you're, it's like, what am I going to do? I've got to have a node that runs in both. And I, uh, so, so is this the familiar node SAS usage is yes. deprecated and will be yes. removed? If, and you're like, wait yes. a minute, I've been using this thing for five yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's actually gone in 16, right? I mean, it yeah. won't load in node 16. So we had to, you know, fortunately, we were able to find a version of node that would build both an Angular 8 app and build an Angular uh, 13 app. And so that's what we're running on. And then eventually we'll upgrade node to, to 16. But it was, it, it, it's like that. This is, this is just one thing after another that gets you like that. And this is um, just to kind of close the loop on this. And I know this isn't our topic, but if people do run into the node SAS error, uh, two things are standing out to me about your, about your story. One is that if you do run into it and you can upgrade, SAS is the library you move to, correct? For the new versions of node, just SASS as the yeah, package. I, I guess. I, I, yeah. I, I didn't I just, pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> but in your situation was the second point. You couldn't even upgrade to that because you needed to support the older version of Node. Exactly. So you had to find a way to use the older package, even though it was deprecated. Right. Now, I could try okay. and teach Jenkins to swap Node versions uh, depending on which thing you're running. But that itself is a configuration nightmare. And guess what? We don't control Jenkins. That The clients got, got that. And so now you're this little thing that you just wanted to do suddenly ramifies out to all of the people in the organization who are in charge of these servers and who are going to say, no, 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 I'm not letting you mess with my, 
with my party. And just to be clear, you're talking Jenkins, the DevOps, CI/CD tool, yes, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I. You could. I'm. My brain is on melt. So I, <laughs> thanks for bringing it back because uh, th- it has been a couple of weeks of you know in calendar time of this with one sad discovery after another. I, I think we're done. No, we're not. I think we're done. No, we're not. So John, one of the things I like about AG Grid, which is a, a data grid component for the kind of complex uh, grid scenarios that we encounter all the time in enterprise apps. One of the things I really like about it is that it works for a variety of frameworks, Angular, React, Vue, or, or just vanilla JS. Does that ring a bell for you? Oh, it really does. There's all these different companies that I work with where they have no choice but to use a lot of these different tools because they have different teams working on them. So being able to port their code or share that code and that technical investment they have is really important to them. Yeah, well, it's important to us, uh, ideally, we're a consulting company. And, uh, you know, we never know what our client's going to want to use, Angular, React, Vue, but they're all going to need a grid. And it's great to be able to reach for uh, the one grid that works everywhere, AG Grid. You know, at at any size company, too, because you could have these teams that maybe they only use one framework, but eventually they're going to switch to another one and be able to take that investment again and use it, reuse it is really nice. So if a multi-framework data grid makes sense to you, please go check out AG Grid at ag-grid.com. Well, this is why as library creators, and I know you and I both have libraries we have got out there in NPM and we've either managed or continue to manage. It's my greatest regret, John. (laughs) <laughs> this is a burden on people who create libraries because sometimes you're like, I know this is a small breaking change. I'll just make this one tweak and all people have to do, I'll put it in my readme. All they have to do is change this comma to a dot or whatever. But are we really expecting, we don't realize the impact what we do. Do we really expect these tens of thousands, in some case, hundreds of thousands or millions of other packages relying on it for every one of those people to just know that they have to go figure out how to upgrade? And that's where you run into problems. It sure does. And and I I think the real takeaway there is never get involved with open source. Never (laughs) do an open source library. I mean, because you're on the hook forever. Uh, Because if you don't do it, you know, if you don't make it move, somebody's going to be hounding you because it's not up to to the latest. And if you do, somebody's going to just go nuts with you because it doesn't. And, it's a no-win proposition. So. so I think we've talked a lot about the pitfalls and how you can fall down. I think it's time for us to switch a little bit to, to how you can get up off the floor with this. <laughs> wow. Tell and, me, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, well, we'll talk about it from a usage standpoint. From, from a library standpoint, um, actually, some of the solutions are the same, but more from the consumer, because I think all of us are consumers of these things. Not everybody creates a library that's out there in open source. From a consumer standpoint, one of the ways that I've thought about this is just my version strategy. And I don't mean version of my app, but I mean the version of the dependencies I take. Specifically, do I use hard-coded versions of like, you know, Angular, using Angular in my mind right now, Angular version 13.0.0? Or do I say I'm relying on um, Carrot 13.0.0 or Tilda 13.0. 13.0. Or so even a range. What is that? You, can, you can establish a range that goes or across major versions, um, which, uh, which I th- is ideal. Um, if, you know, if, but then you're, you know, you're on the hook for a testing that it works within that range. But, but, um, uh, yeah, I think it's important to define that because the default yeah. for a lot of libraries is the carrot. 
which yeah. means that it won't upgrade a major version, but it'll upgrade a minor. Yeah. So we got major minor patch with the Semver for those who aren't uh, familiar with it. And Semver is a semantic versioning. All these libraries have three numbers. So it would make sense that by default, a lot of these libraries are like, I installed Angular version 13. It's got a carrot in front of it, which means I'll take any new version except 14 or higher. Like any new version that begins with 13, I'll go ahead and take the highest version. Right. That sounds great. But I'll tell you what I did at some companies I worked with was we changed that default behavior to the tilde. Oops. And the reason for this is we had hundreds, I was going to say thousands, we, to be factual, we had hundreds of apps running like this. And the problem was we didn't have the manpower or female power or the automated power to say all these apps have to be tested all the time to make sure they still work. And if they don't, go fix them. It's the go fix them part that's hard. Yeah. So by changing it to tilde, now we're saying we're only taking patches. And yeah. patches shouldn't should never ever change behavior. Shouldn't. Shouldn't. Exactly. Not always. We don't lose live in absolutes. But while minors shouldn't change behavior and breaking changes, in my experience, they are far more apt to do it because why? Humans are the ones who define the versions. Yeah. So the way I get up off of falling down is I, I immediately change a lot of my carrots to tildes in a lot of my applications. doesn't make it go away, but it reduces the risk. What do you do? Tell me why my idea sucks. No, no. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, it's a matter of how much uh, energy you can, or in the case of your client, you can get your client to pay for it. That's, that's, it circles back to what we were we were starting with, which is don't touch it, you know, if you don't have to. Uh, and uh, that is, th that is going to be my takeaway for the day. And I'm probably going to say it several times, uh, because, because like you, I, and like every tech person I know, I want to be on the latest. Uh, I can, I can almost not stop myself from being on the latest. And, um, it's, and, and you know if it's our if it's our demo stuff, uh, absolutely. But uh, uh, I really understand the business's reluctance um, to to do this because it can be a, a daunting task. But when you must, and we must, then then when you must, I say if you're going to do it, then I, I'm pleased with our decision. Um, to try and do as much of the upgrade as we can, to bring is everything as far forward as possible. And why? Because we only get so many bites at the apple. And, you do. Uh, and we won't be able to come back here and do an upgrade again. So if you're while you're under the hood in there, um, you know, changing the carburetor, if they had a carburetor. And, and those are famous last rotate, words, though, Ward. While I'm in the tires. here, while I'm in here I might as well rotate change. the tires. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so, suddenly your BMW turns into a Tesla. What, what happened? <laughs> what happened? And the wheels fall off because you rotated the tires and you forgot to put the lug nuts on. Uh, you are know, they important, I mean, by the way? Is it okay uh, if the wheels are not screwed uh, on? Well, uh, <laughs> well, I think, you know, having a strategy is another key of this. Like, like you said, while you're in there, yes. But also, or and also making sure that you have a strategy for how am I going to go about this upgrade? Being honest with yourself that 
you know, don't, don't kid yourself that it's just this one thing. You know it's going to be more than just one thing. Because once you start upgrading, as you mentioned, you'll realize other packages aren't working and peers. So just be honest with yourself. Look, if I start this thing, it's not going to be five minutes. No, you're going to be half of the rabbit holes. And then third, have a backup strategy. And the simple answer to that one is GitHub. Like, make a branch and do all this work. I'd be, you'd be stunned at how many times I've seen people go down this road where they've called me and asked for help and they're doing it on their main branch. And I'm like, whoa, you're scaring me. What are you doing over here? I mean, you start upgrading things and change your package versions and suddenly you can't back out of there. I mean, you need a way to get back to a safe place. Yeah. And the very simple answer is, is to create a branch in that case. Not only have I done that, but I also, I, I keep an entire directory on my uh, local machine that has the pre-changed state. So with all the MPM packages, you know, everything, it still runs, yeah, all that just stuff. Just in case. <laughs> so I can just switch directories. I don't have to, um, I want to make it really easy to do a side-by-side comparison. I go one step further. I print them out of my, my dot matrix printer and I store them in a cabinet <laughs> just in case I look, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. No, I have a special <laughs> machine over here, that, you know, that I put it all on and it's, disconnected from the internet and uh, so uh, yeah 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 but you need you need to make it easy to see what the you heck do. did that did because part what one of the things that happens that happened to me a lot is like did this ever work this- <laughs> i know you you start wondering don't you question yourself going wait a minute is this How a this bug work? that was always there or did i just add it and half the time it's a bug that was always there which i just noticed one <laughs> and it's like whoa well, you know, I haven't tried that one in a long time, and uh, somewhere along the line, that broke. Uh, so you need that you need that uh, reference point, and that reference point yeah. has to be easy to get. So I don't think a branch is good enough, um, particularly nope. when we're talking npm packages. I need a whole separate directory with its own local repository, its own yep. npm packages, and so that I can toggle between them without doing an NPM install or anything. And that's that's the key here is that you need to have a strategy. Whatever your strategy is, you, you've got to have one. Please, folks, don't grab a bottle of Jim Beam or Malibu rum or whatever your favorite is to, to drink. Sit down and go, here I go. We're going to upgrade today. <laughs> I'm going to come out the other end with something. I don't know if it's going to work or not. but uh, That's the quick road to, to your dog leaving you and your wife uh, following right behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think there's there's other strategies too. Like, let's say you're upgrading a package. So I, I get the question a lot. Hey, why should I buy this grid? We'll say grid because I mentioned AG Grid before. Why should I buy a grid from AG Grid or from another company when I can go make that functionality myself? Well, beyond the things we've discussed in the past of, you know, it takes you longer to build it yourself than just to take one that's been hammered on by companies and other customers. There's also the upgrade possibility of, okay, you want to upgrade that grid or any third-party tool that you can have your choice now of, do I get it from a company that's going to give me support if this thing isn't working in the future with other things? Or do I want to be the one who's going to have to dig out the innards of this to figure out how do I upgrade this later on? That's an easy answer, man. If you Very easy. If you don't have to build it, don't. It's very true. And I don't say that just because we've got some sponsors who sell products and services mm-hmm. like this. It's a lesson that I think... Many of us have learned the hard way. 
Uh, I've built my own calendar control and schedule. Dan and I were reminiscing about calendars that we've written. I'm like, yeah, I'm never writing a calendar again. No. Ever, ever. If that date and date times is the world's sinkhole. Yeah. You think you know what today is. You think what right now, you know what the hour is. Wait till you find out what happens to you. Uh, Oh, I'll just do it in UTC. Yeah, that's not going to solve it either. Yeah. You know, Ward, one of the best things I love about talking with you is uh, you have, and I mean this with all love in the world, you have gone through so many of the messes and come out the other end. Uh, It's not that you have all the answers, but you you at least know how to approach all the problems. And I do appreciate that about you. And I hope our audience does as well. So thank you for dropping this on today and playing the role of our guest. Well, I'm battered and bruised, John. <laughs> a lifetime, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a lifetime of injury. So, uh, you know, I mean, this doesn't, we're not trying to tell people you should do it. Because uh, as we said at the beginning, sometimes you really have to do it. Yeah. Um, and to uh, recap, but, the security issues, uh, new features you're going to add. Uh, you're getting error error messages. Things just aren't working. For example, sunset support. Yeah, uh, or you're just in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what's coming, and you're just in there. Hey, Ward, uh, it's time for us to wrap up and get to our special part of the show where we talk about our final thoughts for our audience. What are your final thoughts today? Well, you know, this is a perfect segue because after I've gone in there and totally wreck, wrecked it, it's time to quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so if anyone's hiring, I got to get out of here. So, uh, uh, fortunately, uh, I had recently the pleasure of doing a, a podcast on a rival podcast uh called the angular experience let's they call them partners friends part- of our podcast rivals rivals there can be only one podcast and this is it <laughs> uh, uh yeah and um they invited me to come and talk about well, what it's like to quit your job now that isn't the title they ended up giving when they published it they called it how to fire your boss um i guess that's the same thing <laughs> if you think about it <laughs> Anyway, I had nice. a great time on this podcast, um, uh, and I because there are there were so many questions in there. Um, they sort of like you know, do I tell my next employer why I left? Answer: No. <laughs> but you know, there was one sort of you know, how much loyalty do I owe? There was all of these great questions that they had teed up for me. And uh, we had a lot of fun with the answers, uh, but I think there's some serious surprises in there. And I think yeah, uh, it's done with humor and love, and I and I think people will enjoy it. So it's in their show notes. How, you know, to, the how same, to fire your boss. And some and uh, along the same lines of that theme there, Ward. Uh, I guess I've had a lot of interactions with students lately. So I, I work for my new roles, uh, basically developer relations. I'm a cloud advocate who works with uh, universities around the world. And I've been doing different tours of different student groups and professor groups. And whatever technology we're talking about, career advice always comes up. So a couple of things have come up in these conversations lately uh, that I find had me reminiscing about how I approach things. And lately, for example, if you're going to switch jobs or you're looking for a job, either way, a lot of folks have their own reasons. Like you should come up with your own list of what you're looking for. But I think here's one key thing you shouldn't do. Don't run away from something. Don't run from something, run to something. 
Yeah. What are you yeah. looking for? I mean, your situation may be bad and poor, and this advice doesn't work for everything. There are times where run away from things. Let's be very clear, like an unsafe situation, right? Get yeah. out. You know, a, a bear attacking you. Run. Yes. Well, no, maybe not. <laughs> they say don't run. But anyway, <laughs> back away slowly and push your friend forward. And <laughs> or, or even just it's a really bad environment at a workplace yeah. where you just can't, you don't feel safe going to work. Get, get out. But I mean, in general, don't run away from a job that you're not happy with to just to get to something else. Because the problem with that is you're not looking at where you're going. Uh, it's okay to run away from something as long as you know what you're trying to run to. What do you want? What's going to make you happy? What What is it about this that's going to drive you? Another thing is you mentioned, you know, not burning bridges. It's not just not burning bridges with all companies, but also building bridges. It's a small world. And I've been around this industry for many decades, as has Ward, and it's surprising to you the first time this happens to you, how often you run into the same people in different places mm-hmm. uh, and how word gets around and burning bridges, however justified and righteous you may feel in some cases, uh, often tends to have a negative effect long term. So it's better to just move along and keep the bridges open in there, even if you're never going to go back across that bridge, the other side of San Francisco ward. It's good to keep it up. You know, uh, another thing that I've learned with that also, you know, sometimes you had a bad experience with somebody and um, you've got to remember that there's forgiveness in this. There should be forgiveness in this world and there's growth in this world. And that person who didn't know how to behave then or behaved badly then has had some years go by and that could be. They, they've evolved too, just like you have. And uh, I don't think we should um, write, the, write these right people off forever. They grow, including sometimes yeah. from, from the very thing that you, re, that you just, justifiably uh, uh, ran away from. Uh, they realized what a terrible mistake they had made and they grew from it. So I think uh, there's all kinds of reasons not not to burn a bridge, but build new ones. And I'm with and none you of these pieces of advices are, are absolutes, meaning there's not always or never in what Ward and I are saying, yeah. but I, these are just lessons I think that are good to keep in mind when you're, when you're looking around for what you're looking for. And there's plenty more. And it's been a while since we did a career discussion one, and we've been trying to think about how to tee that up. Uh, maybe we'll do another one sometime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Hey Ward, thank you so much for jer- sharing this uh, talk today and for our final thoughts and Thank you for being a sponsor, your company, Ideably, for keeping us on the air, as well as AG Grid and Ionic and Narwhal. These four sponsors keep us every week on the air and allow us to come to all of you, our audience. And thank you for listening to yet another week of Web Rush. We'll see you next time.